want to share um, something that I started four weeks ago, um, end of February, I believe, um, began to speak on being a man or a woman of destiny. Uh, this is part two of that teaching. I promised you I'd conclude it uh, two weeks after that, and obviously it's four weeks later. Sorry. So let's really pick up from where we left off, uh, being a man or woman of destiny. This is something that has been on my heart for a while, um, since the beginning of this year, and uh, I'm going to be teaching along these lines till the end of May, uh, God willing, but I want to just deal with this as an introduction to what we're going to look at in the next few months. Uh, if you have the Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30, our key texts. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. <laughs> whom he called, these he also justified and whom he justified these he also glorified that thing is yeah we need a nice cloth of some kind that would just take away the, the there's something wrong with the bulb it's not me it's the, the bulb I, I checked with a very very um, authoritative uh, man who confirmed with me that it wasn't me hallucinating. <laughs> All right. So thank you. Thank you. Oopsie. All right. We can go a bit forward. Now. Thank you. So I think for now, until this is sorted out, we'll have to forget that one. I like that big pulpit. You know, you can do so many things. Sometimes when a person is preaching, you don't know what they're doing here. You know, all kinds of things. I'll be, it'd be even better if it was like closed and you can't see what's going on at all. Then we could be really doing some amazing godly things in Jesus' name. All right. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. Again, he says, We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And those God foreknew, he also predestined that they are conformed or molded into the image of his son, so that he is the firstborn among many brethren. And uh, basically, talking about being a people of destiny, a man or a woman of destiny, what we are emphasizing is the reality that God has a destination for all of us. A destination for all of us. Now, God's ultimate plan is in verse 29, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So God's ultimate plan is that our destiny is found in our Lord Jesus and we becoming like him in every aspect of our being. So a man or a woman of destiny is an individual focused on the destination God has ordained for them. This is what we began to say. And... Uh, you know, this year is a year where we're pursuing vision, a year of pursuing vision. And so when we talk about being a man or a woman of destiny, our question is, 
what is God's heart for you this year and what is God's heart for you in the coming years. And many of you are embracing this reality whereby you are pursuing God's heart for you. And we already established God's heart. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, or to give you an expected end. So God's heart, God's heart for us concerning his destiny is that we have a future and we have a hope. We have an expected end, something that is in our favor. We also said concerning being a man of, a woman of destiny that God is looking for someone to show himself strong through. God is looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for an individual whereby in their day he can reveal his hand through their life. Second Chronicles 16.9, he says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is searching, literally, the whole earth, looking for people, inspecting their heart, and when he finds someone who fits what he's looking for, he can reveal his strength through them. And beloved, this is very encouraging because it means it is not dependent on my background, it is not dependent on my status. It is not dependent even on the level of my education. It is dependent on the condition of my heart. And all of us have a say on the condition of our heart. All of us. We have a say on what is going on in here. And we can choose to have hearts that are loyal to God or we can choose to have hearts that are loyal to self. And you cannot have both. You cannot have a heart loyal to yourself and loyal to God. Because ultimately, there will come a time where self will want to be Lord. I, I know there is a song that was sung by a, a deceased, a famous singer. You know, it was uh, something like, um, um, I believe, blah, 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 knowing how to love myself or something like that. The greatest love of all is loving myself. The greatest love of all. Obviously, I'm not in the worship team. Um, is loving yourself. Who knows that song? Yeah, you really do, don't you? Hmm. Well, that's actually not the greatest love of all. The greatest love of all is not loving yourself, learning to love yourself. The greatest love of all is learning to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the first commandment. And when you have that right, then the second one, which is loving your neighbor as yourself, has its proper place. So when your heart is loyal to God, it means you choose to put self after God, not before God. And God is always on the lookout for someone he can reveal his will through, someone whose heart is loyal towards him. And that's why we're alive today. You see, in these days that we walk the earth, we are the answer to the questions facing our world. That's why we're alive today. Your destiny is linked to this time. The scripture tells us that God has predetermined 
our times and the boundaries of our dwellings. In other words, God decided before we were born who, what family we should be born in, where we should live, and how we should live our lives. He determined it. And so, you know, at times we say, well, what about those who never heard the gospel? Indeed, it's a very legitimate question, but you know what? Why don't you worry about yourself first and sorting out your life? Then maybe you can do something about those who've never heard the gospel. You understand? So God is always on the lookout to reveal himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal towards him. He's looking, God is looking for someone to give him a reason not to exercise judgment on the earth. God is looking for someone to give him a reason not to exercise judgment. Right now, if the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah were walking the earth, they will say to God, how can you let London stand and you destroyed us? How can you let um, um, the nations in America, the, nation, the cities in America stand and you destroyed us? The cities in Europe, how can you let them stand and you destroyed us? You know, our Lord said it like this. The inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah will stand up and, ju- and condemn those people who were alive on this day because they, those people who were alive in the Lord's day, were seeing far more light than they did. He said if Sodom and Gomorrah had experienced what they were experiencing, Sodom would have repented a long time ago. And the point I want to make is, is this, is that God's heart is not to execute judgment on the earth and destroy the wicked. God's heart is to redeem the wicked, is to see the wicked turn from their sin. But he needs you and I, as men and women of destiny, to be able to be a reason why he doesn't execute judgment. So look at Ezekiel 22 from verses 29 to 31. And this kind of describes, in a way, our context today in our nation and in the nations of many Western um, countries. It says, the people of the land are used, have, have used oppression, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy. And they wrongfully oppress the foreigner or the stranger, the foreigner. Indeed. So I sought for a man. Now, if you read the narrative before this, it's even, even more serious. The priests were, were just misbehaving. The prophets were prophesying lies. You know, the leaders of the people were abusing their authority. The pastors and the ministers of the, the gospel, not gospel um, then, but were really the priests, those who represented God, were doing it for money. There was all kinds of abuse going on. And then to crown it all, the people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the poor. Look at verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a war. God says, I was looking for somebody to be the barrier between me and them and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. Now, God has to judge sin. God has to deal with sin. God has to exercise justice on the earth. At times people say they want to see the justice of God. They want God to give them justice. Beloved, you do not want God to give you justice. You always want God to show you mercy. You do not want God to give you justice. If God gives you justice, you will burn in the fire of hell forever. 
Because that is the justice of God when it comes to sin. He said, I sought a man that would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy, but I found none. I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads. In other words, I gave them what they deserved. But I was looking for someone to stand in the gap. I pray you will stand in the gap for your family. I pray you will stand in the gap for your work colleagues. I pray you will stand in the gap for some of these wicked terrorists. Somebody needs to stand in the gap for them. That God in his mercy and his infinite wisdom somehow will reach out and save these people like he did Saul of Tarsus. Now, when it comes to your destiny, God begins us on a journey to destiny by revealing himself to us, by revealing himself to us. So any one of us that God is leading towards his destiny for our lives, it always begins, like I said um, several weeks ago, with an encounter with him of some kind. And uh, I want you to look at Exodus 6, verses 6 to 8, just to highlight this point. He says, he said to Moses, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So Egypt, in this context, is a type of the world. It's a type of the world and the world system and the oppression of the world system. He says, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. In other words, I, the Lord, seek to remove from you the things that weighs the unbelievers down. I seek to remove that from you. I seek to remove that from you. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. When it comes to how God deals with his people, often we don't realize the great miracles that takes place on our behalf to bring us to a place where we can worship God freely where we can know the Lord freely. We think that, oh, I decided one day to come to church. How many of you at times find it a battle just to turn up in church? Come on, if you're honest. I know that as a young believer, sometimes to go to church, it was as if someone was, the force was pushing me back. It was literally like that. I'd be going to church and it'd be like, literally like that. I'm not even joking. And to be honest with you, I didn't like going to church. That's why some of you are amazing. You are new Christians and you can't wait to come to church. Me as a young Christian, I hated going to church. Now, once I got there, it was nice, but the process of going was horrible. There are all kinds of bondages that are in our world today that the enemy seeks to put on the people of God. Even the way we earn our income, God does not want us to earn our income the way the world earns its income. The world works in order to earn an income. We are called to work in order to glorify God. And in the process, there is some form of income. The way I labor as a pastor and the way you labor in your vocation should be no different. My labor should not be for money any more than your labor should be for money. My labor should be because I'm trying to please God and honor him in my giving context. But at times, we have it in our minds, pastors shouldn't work for money, but I can. Are you listening? And that is the oppression of Egypt. 
That is the bondage of Egypt. And that is why many of God's precious people are under the oppression of Egypt when it comes to their money. Because they are acting like Egypt. But he says this, I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an stretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Now the point I want to emphasize is this, is that as a man or a woman of destiny, God's purpose on your life or God's dealings on your life is to so that it brings you to a place of encounters with him, where you are knowing him. Because when God is dealing with you, he's dealing with your knowledge of him. You know, Satan, in all the warfare that he wages against you, his one aim, one aim alone, is to blind you from the true knowledge of God. The devil doesn't care how much stuff you get, how much promotion you get, even how much ministry influence you have, if it blinds you to the true knowledge of God. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. It's not about how many demons you cast out per se. It's about the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You should write it down. It's not there. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to avenge every disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The whole thing that en the enemy wars with you and I about is the knowledge of God. How we see God in our given context influences how we pursue his purposes for our lives. Now, God in dealing with you concerning your destiny reveals himself to you in various ways. Now, ultimately, God reveals himself to you through the word of the Lord, through the word of the Lord. But he also, and this is really a lot of times underplayed, he also reveals himself to his children through dreams and visions, through dreams and visions. And we, we're going to be hopefully, I'm hoping that we can explore this in our prophetic school of ministry, a little plug there. So, you know, if you haven't registered, why don't you do so? We might, you might learn a thing or two. Numbers 12, verse 6, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Now, as the church, we are a prophetic community. We are a prophetic community. And this reality also stands. Uh, when I was in South Africa the other day, I had the privilege of meeting some awesome people. And uh, in our conversations, I asked them, you know, do you dream? And then... Um, they said, yeah, yeah, I dream. And I said, but then they said to me, but my dreams always are like bizarre. They don't make any sense whatsoever, you know. And I said, that there's no such thing. Not for the born again. There's no such thing as dreams that make no sense. Tell me your dream and let's see if God gives the interpretation. So they shared one bizarre dream. And at times your dreams will reveal what you've been up to as well, you know. So you don't know what the dream is saying if you don't understand the code. But if God gives somebody the understanding, they can tell you what's going on in your life. So I said to them, well, this is what is happening. 
and this is what your dream is saying. Bang on. So th- at that point, they said, now, nah, here's another dream. And I said, now, nah, what this dream is saying is this. And, you know, sometimes people have two, three dreams in a night. They probably had ten, but they only remember three. And they say, they all don't make sense. They all, they, they're bizarre dreams. And I say, okay. So in this context, I say, share these dreams that don't make sense. And they'll share these bizarre dreams, and they're all linked, and they all make sense, and they all speak into their life. And the point is, God speaks to us about our destiny through dreams and visions. And that's why I want to encourage you to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit so that he can tell you, you can understand what he's telling you through your dreams and through the visions that you have. As a child of God and as a child of destiny, the role of dreams and visions in the supernatural dreams and visions are very, very important because they can guide you uh, in ways that your normal mind and processing of information can't guide you. Look at the role of dreams and visions concerning our Lord's life when he was born. Look at the role of dreams alone concerning that. And as we will see later on in our study on um, people of destiny, as we look at Joseph and as we look at um, Daniel and as we look at um, some of these guys, we'll see how God used dreams to really speak to them. Now, Joseph, you know, my namesake, God spoke to him through dream, a dream, two dreams. Spoke to him about his future through dreams. But the scripture calls those dreams the word of the Lord. Now, ultimately, when God is speaking to you or revealing himself to you, he will encounter you through his word. This is why as a church, we place such premium on the word. Because the word of God is what God uses as the standard by which he deals with us. So any dream, any vision that we have must find its anchor in the word. In Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19, this is what it says about Joseph. Now, when you read Joseph's life in Genesis 37, 5 to 11, you don't appreciate this truth. But this is what he says. He says he sent a man. God sent a man before them. Now, remember the scripture we said. We know all things work together for good to those who love God. Then we touched on this four weeks ago. Now, remember how Joseph started his journey. It was through the wicked intentions of his brothers. But look at what the scripture says. He sent a man before them. Before who? Israel and his family. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. You see, as a man and woman of destiny, you must understand that nothing that happens in your life is an accident. Even that which the perpetrators had a wicked intention concerning. God in his divine sovereign orchestration has planned ahead of you because of it. And so you have to understand how God deals with his people, how God deals with you as a child of destiny. That's why the scripture we read, we know that all things work together for God, not some things, all things. Say to your neighbor, all things. Come on, say to somebody else, all things. He says, but the key is to know it. Because if you don't know it, you will not appreciate it, and you will not allow that revelation to govern your actions. So many times I see people 
Sincere people mess their lives up because they don't appreciate this simple truth. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold a slave. Look at verse 18. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. In other words, he came under bondage. Not imposed bondage from his own actions. No. Things he had no control over ended him in bondage. There are things that we have no control over. Let's see. I don't worry about the things I have no control over. I am only concerned about what I have control over. And that's what you must learn to do. You see, I cannot control your actions, your choices. As a pastor who loves the people that I am assigned to, I, I find it tremendous, a tremendous privilege. And when I see people's lives being ruined, it hurts. When I see people making bad decisions, it hurts. But at the end of the day, I can't control that. I can't. But I can control my response. And I can control what I do with my life. So at times, there are people that we will carry for years until God brings them back to repentance. Because that's what we can control. We can't control anything else. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is this. Joseph had a context he could not control. He was under bondage. They were hurting his feet. In other words, he was completely limited in the direction of his life. He had no say about how his life went because of the external circumstances he found himself in. But above it all, there was a word over his life. Say the word of God. And this is the important point. Are you willing to continuously submit yourself to the authority of the word of God? Because it is that that will determine the outcome of your life. Not what other people are doing. Not what other people are saying. Not what the externals you have no control over dictate. It is the word of the Lord. Look at the next thing. Until these circumstances were in his life. Hurting his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. In other words, he was under chains. Until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. So, it was actually the word of the Lord that was orchestrating those terrible experiences. Even though the people who were doing it had no clue that God was using them to prepare him for his promotion. It's so important you understand these principles as a man or woman of destiny so that you don't shipwreck your destiny. The word of the Lord was testing Joseph all the way. And he has certain key situations that came his way. The first major test was a beautiful uh, appealing, let's use the word, appealing woman. Hey! Ladies, you have power, you know. Yeah. And uh, she kept saying, I'm available. I'm available. But she was the wrong kind of available. 
And by the way, uh, sisters, is the opposite also is true. Some man will say, hey, I'm available. <laughs> you should run from such a voice. <laughs> now, some man will come, you know, with his slick, whatever, and sometimes it's even your fellow church brother. Hey! Yeah, sometimes it's even your fellow church brother who's hallelujahing in church. When they finish the hallelujah, ah, mm, mm, mm. when they've done, they'll now say, I'm available. Now, Joseph was being tested by the word of the Lord. He thought it was Potiphar's wife. But it was the word of the Lord. Was testing him. Say to your neighbor, the word of the Lord is testing you. Yeah. See, so next time you're facing something like that, look at that person and say, it's not you, it's the word of the Lord. Tell them, hey, the word of the Lord is testing me. I am not wanting in Jesus' name. I don't need this kind of availability. The second major test, major test, was from that same woman. Hey! Hmm. When she realized one strategy has failed, she sought to destroy the man. Hey, there is a saying, I don't know how true it is. I don't know if you can help me with this saying. Hell have no than... Uh, Mm, you know the saying. You see, you know, sometimes, please, ladies, don't misunderstand me. You see this woman very petite and simply looking and, ah, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hell have no fury. Hell have no fury. Be careful. They have a way. If you start scoring, I'm telling you. So that's sometimes how I think God is very wise. Why it makes some and some, you know, he's very wise. Anyway, that was the second test. And this time, he was labeled an attempted rapist. Aye. Would you have such a person in your leadership team? But you see, one of the things about Joseph's life was this. In each key test that he found himself in, there was a narrative. The Lord was with Joseph. That is more precious than all the money. And we will be dealing with this element of the favor of the Lord in our study. This element of the Lord was with Joseph. I'm glad God orchestrated it and called me Joseph. Because my dad named me Joseph when he wasn't even a Christian. And when I asked him, why did you call me Joseph? His reasons, I knew God had to overrule everything. Yeah. Because that's why at times the early Christians, they changed their names. Some of the names that we are carrying, we should just get rid of them. There was one name my dad, my dad gave me. I got rid of it immediately after I got saved. I said, no, I'm no idol of a tortoise. Because that's what it means. The tortoise is idol. So no 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 this is this this comes out of my name. I was given four names, I have three left. The rest of them are all true. Joseph, Friday born, Buedu. It's all true. Yeah. Man Friday. Anyone know Man Friday? Anyone know Man Friday? Boy, you guys are really young. 
Robinson Crusoe. Anybody heard of? Hi. You, if, who's heard of Robinson Crusoe? Okay. Uh, hmm. Anyway. Anyway. The word, the word of the Lord tested him. It tested him. It tested him. Until his word came to pass, it was testing him. And what I want you to see about your destiny is God's overruling word. God's overruling word. This first element of encountering God through his word is very important. Look at what he says about Samuel. Concerning Samuel in, um, where is that scripture? It's disappeared. First Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 7. He says this, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Look at the relationship. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now, when the scripture says this, Samuel was hearing God. God began to speak to him. But because he did not know the Lord, he could not recognize God's voice. The point I want you to understand is this. God has been speaking to you, you know, in so many ways. But if you don't know him, you won't recognize his voice. You won't recognize his voice. And how you know him it's not by the vision per se. It's by the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. Look at verse 21. 1 Samuel 3, 21. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. He revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That's how God deals with us, primarily through the agency of his word. That's how he reveals himself to us, through his word, as the Holy Spirit breathes on that word. And so the more you know his word as revealed by the Spirit, the more you are knowing him. This is how you have encounters with God through his word. Through his word. And whatever medium the word takes to present him to you. So the word may take the medium of a dream like Joseph. Or he may take the medium of the still small voice like Elijah. Or he may take a medium like the heavens opening like he did with John the Baptist. He said, John the Baptist said, I did not know him, but he who sent me said, upon whom you see the spirit dwell, come upon like a dove. That is the Messiah. And that is how John recognized the word through that vehicle of an open vision. But the point I want to make is, forget about the vehicle and focus on the word. Because that's how God will reveal himself to you. When it comes to your destiny, when it comes to his purpose for your life. And that's why I want to encourage you, especially when you are weak, especially when you feel like 
things haven't gone the way that you want it to go, when you're feeling disillusioned. That's why I want to encourage you to feed your spirit and your mind with the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Because that will cause your spirit to connect with God and have an encounter that will transform the direction of your life. Amen. We will continue, God willing, next week. Let us pray. You are a man of destiny. You are a woman of destiny. You're a child of destiny. Your life is not aimless. Your life is not surrendered to random activities that you are happen or you happen to catch you find yourself in. Your life has been deliberately ordained and orchestrated by God. Whatever context you find yourself in right now, I am encouraging you to lift up your eyes and focus on the word of the Lord. What is God saying? What is God saying to you about your life? What is the word of God to you about your current situation? What is the word of God to you? And I want to encourage you, as I'm saying these things, as you recognize what God is saying to you, why don't you stand where you are? As you recognize where God is speaking to you, stand and just respond to that word that God is saying to you in your given context. As you recognize, what is God saying to you? What is he saying to me? What is he dealing with me on? What is he challenging me about? What is he highlighting in my life? Lebru shabaraba kori inda. Lebru shakaraba kori inda. Lebru shakaraka kori inda. Lord, let your word find freedom amongst your people that are hearing. Let your word find freedom in their hearts. Let your word bring transformation in their hearts in the name of Jesus. Marushaka Ayela Mahanda. He said, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Let the Spirit speak to you. As I was praying this morning, the Spirit of God spoke to me a word that really, he, in a way, he rebuked me. And it's dealing with those who are under the oppression of poverty and those who find themselves in serious financial challenges. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, tell my people that there are those who made a vow to me and said to me that if I would honor them and help them and empower them and give them a certain request, they will honor me. But after I honored them, the Spirit of the Lord said, they dishonored me. And therefore, I also have dishonored them. And that's why they find themselves in this situation. And I believe God's Spirit is saying that to you that have dishonored them in this way, and I don't know what it was, you must repent. You must repent and address whatever dishonor you dishonor them in so that that thing can be broken from your life when it comes to your finances. So if that applies to you, stand where you are quickly. Stand where you are. And then the second thing is, please, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, 
He also said to me, and you are to also tell them, there are those who made a pledge to honor my messenger, my servant, when I blessed them. And when I blessed them, they did not do it. And so because they dishonored my servant this way, I also have dishonored them in their context. And again, you need to repent if that is you. So I want to pray into these two areas, specifically into the area of finance. After I pray for those of you who are standing, so right now I want to pray for those of you that the Spirit of God was speaking about something. Just stand where you are. Those of you who were standing earlier on, just stand and lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray concerning what you're saying to these ones. And Lord, as they hear your voice, I pray, O oh God, that you will empower them and reveal yourself to them through the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all stand? And then in the area of the finance, if those, any of those two areas apply to you, I want you to come quickly over you. I want to pray over you and declare certain things. So quickly come and then, um, and then we'll move on as we worship. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Again, it's very simple. The Lord said there are those people who made a pledge or a vow to him that if he does something for them, they would honor him in a certain way. But after God did it for them, they did not honor him in that way. They dishonored him. And he says, I should tell you, because you dishonored him in that way, he also has not honored you in your context. And then the second one was this. There are those who God, not God, you laid on your heart, you said to the Lord that if he does something for you, you will do something for his messenger or the one he sent to minister to you, and you did not do it. Again, if that is you, come to the front. We're going to pray over you. Savior, our Savior, in your name, in your name, we'll rise and stand, rise and stand, we'll rise and stand, we'll rise and stand. Just before I hand over to Olu, I want to pray for one more area, those people who have felt concerning their future, concerning their future a sense of bewilderment. Again, I want to pray into that. If that is you, raise your hands where you are. Concerning your future, a sense of bewilderment. A sense of, just raise your hands where you are. If that is you, quickly. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. 
the mind of God and the favor of God upon these whose hands are raised that they will see clearly what you are saying to them about the future. I speak order. I speak peace. Let the spirit of wisdom come upon you in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God, concerning your favor, let it come upon these whose hands are raised in the name of Jesus. Amen.